0: Thank you, Dave, and uh, praise team. Wouldn't you enjoy the worship today? Amen. I'm going to ask you just for a second, would you, would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment this morning? You know, sometimes it's hard to transition from worship into a different form of worship by just listening to God. And so I just want to give you a second this morning to... Just talk to God. And, and, and maybe I'll, I'll give you a little direction on your talk to God this morning. Is I'm going to ask you and just to spend a moment with the Lord and ask the Lord to, to speak to you today. Ask the Lord to, um, you know, in a crowd this size, there's people here this morning for all different reasons. Some of you were forced to come. Some of you came out of tradition and habit, and it's a good habit. And some of you don't know why you're here. And so I want you to, whatever reason that that brought you in here this morning, and however you even maybe you've never even communicated to God before, I want you just to to talk to God. He's listening to you. Just ask Him to speak to you today. Maybe to reveal to you today why you're even here. And and I'll make a promise to you. If you'll open up your heart to God this morning, uh, He'll speak to you. He wants to speak to you. God, we just want to be quiet for a moment. All over this auditorium, Lord, right now, there's people that are praying. And, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray this morning for those in here that that maybe don't know why they're here. And this is all new to them. That you would speak into their lives. Lord, before they leave this morning, they would know why they're here. And that's because you brought them here. Lord, bless these next few minutes in your word. And may you challenge us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, appreciate you guys being here this morning. I want to say before we get on a message, if you want to start uh, making your way to Jonah, all right, so the book of Jonah, it may take you a while to, to get it, to find it. You haven't turned there in a while. And so find your way to the book of Jonah. And I want to say uh, thank you to, uh, to Dave and to Jeff Haddock's. They kind of led in here last week. Jeff led the praise team, and the praise team did an amazing job. And, I appreciate uh, people who are willing to step up and to serve, and, and of course Dave preached a great message last week on the, the life of Joseph, and uh, if you are uh, reading along in our foundations, our F-260 plan, then you know last week, uh, previous, uh, we had uh, been reading through the life of Joseph, and uh, David did an amazing job trying to compact all those years of Joseph into one message, and so I got to listen to that. Uh, This week as I was traveling, I had the opportunity this week to uh, go to Baptist Bible College and see some of your kids that are students there, and one of those kids that's there is my kid, so uh, I'll be honest, I went to see him, not so much your kids, but uh, I did take them to dinner, and uh, so we had a great time in Springfield, I got to speak at the chapel on Tuesday, we made a quick trip back Wednesday night, got in late, and appreciate Tyler had preached uh, in our Bible study Wednesday night, and then I turned around Friday and we went to uh, Kansas. And so I was last night at 6 o'clock, I had the opportunity to uh, preach. I'd never have, I've never preached a wedding renewal. And uh, so I got to do that last night. And uh, when I agreed to go, it was supposed to start at 2 o'clock so that I would have time to drive back in normal hours. But it got rescheduled till 6. And so we made a quick trip last night back. It's the fastest I've ever made it. Uh, from Kansas to here. I made it four and a half hours. It's 350 miles, if you want to do the math. And uh, so uh, I think my speedometer's wrong because I wouldn't intentionally... had a great trip. Uh, my daughter went with me, and so um, without throwing my wife under the bus, with me and my daughter, we didn't have to stop. We made it all the way with with no, no stops. So... Uh, sorry Joy. Uh, I, I had the opportunity last Sunday though, I wasn't in, I was here at church but I got to speak to our students, to our Hallmark kids and uh, I'll, I'll say this about you that have kids there in the in, uh, kids worship today, your kids are awesome uh, I, and, and they even last week called me King John so it was so awesome. <laughs> so if they, they came home last Sunday and said that there was a reason, we were uh, talking about Nehemiah and the king. And so we had a great time with them. And, and uh, I, I love investing into our, our uh, kids. Um, and I hope, uh, I, it's been exciting to, uh, many of you have been giving me testimony of uh, your kids are going through the F260 or the Foundations book. And you guys as parents are doing that. And I, and I want to just kind of a commercial here real quickly is to encourage you. We spend so much time teaching our kids so many different things, but not necessarily the most important thing. Like there's a lot of good lessons we can teach our kids, right? But can I say the best value that you can, that you can have of your time is to read God's word with your kids. Spend some time in God's word with your kids. And I know it's scary for you as parents. Sometimes you're like, I don't have a degree. It doesn't matter. Okay, just pretend like you know what you're talking about, okay, and ask us later, right? No, but just invest Time with your kids, reading, and I'm encouraged. How many of you guys have been reading and doing the F260 plan? Uh, and I noticed today that I have an accountability partner that's supposed to keep me accountable to read every week. Uh, just so happens that the first day when we were when we were giving those books out, I saw Diego up there. Diego, you want to wave at me, All right, Diego Evans up there, and uh, he he came by and showed me his book. He's like, "I got my book," and I'm like, "All right." No, so since you showed me that book. I'm going to ask you every Sunday, did you read your book? He's like, look at me like, uh-oh. And uh, I said, but, when I ask you, you've got to ask me back. Did I read, Pastor, did you read your book? And so about the first three weeks, he would always forget to ask me back. I don't, I think he didn't want to put me on the spot. He's such a nice kid. And uh, so now, every time we see each other, Diego, I forgot to ask you yet. Have you read your book this week? All right, good job, Diego. You got a question for me? I missed two days. Sorry, Diego. <laughs> and all the traveling, I missed two days. That's honest confession. We're starting a new series, Risk. And we're gonna, this series is going to c- carry us through uh, February and March. And the last, uh, the last two weeks of March into the first week of April, we're going to have a missions emphasis. And so it will carry us through that missions emphasis. Uh, And and really this book is the book of Jonah This idea of risking And so there's this this kind of subtitle uh, for the series And that is Dare to Embrace the Heart of God And so we're going to kind of just kickstart this series And we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1 And really we may give a a little overview of the book uh, But we're going to kind of hone in on verses 1 and 2 On your outline this morning you have this word there This word called idolatry and, and we won't spend a lot of time on this, but I think that a lot of times that when we hear that word, what comes to our mind is, you know, all the little, like, false images, or we think of maybe Greek mythology and all the, the different gods that they have, and that kind of is where we categorize this word idolatry. And the truth is that's not really um, a correct definition or a full definition of idolatry, is it? That it's, it's way past or way beyond just maybe bowing to an image, which probably most of you don't do that. But look at the definition there. Anything in our lives that we love more than God. Anything that may take the place of God in our life. And in our culture today, we have lots and lots and lots of idols. Uh, Whether it be just a a career can be an idol. Um, The the truth is, in, in our culture right now, one of the biggest Idols um, is, is our kids. And That may sound weird, but that's, that's the truth. We, kind of going back to what I've already said, we invest so much into our kids that doesn't really have long-term or definitely doesn't have eternal value. Um, they had recently done a new study, and I haven't um, looked at this in a year or so, but they had a new kind of economic um, segment in our culture how much money we spend on our kids more specifically what they have termed as um, sports tourism okay seven billion dollars annually spent on sports kids sports tourism you know like traveling from this place to that place because your kids going to be the next Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Seth Curry whatever right um So yeah, we have a lot of gods, don't we? Uh, It could be success, our career, our money, or you know, we've got a lot of things that we worship or we love more than God. And so in this journey through the book of Jonah, this this idea of, is it possible, just in the wording, so risk, dare to embrace the heart of God, it's kind of leading us to this understanding that if we're going to embrace the heart of God, maybe there's going to be some risk involved. Maybe there's going to be a risk that we have to take in order to do what God wants us to do. And that's what we're going to look at in the life of of Jonah. It's interesting, this idea of Jonah, and and there's a quote from from Josh Smith. And and the honest, I I listened to this message series by Josh Smith about eight years ago. So I'm just kind of redoing his series. But he made this statement. The more I look at Jonah, the easier it is for me to justify him and not to condemn him. So let me read that again, and and then I'll give you another statement that maybe brings some clarity to that. The more I look at Jonah, the easier it is for me to justify him and to not condemn him. The, The second quote goes like this. The more I look at the book of Jonah, the more I see myself. So, in this series, I want you, as we begin this today, to maybe allow yourself and allow God to examine your life. Maybe the the reality is we are more like Jonah than we want to admit. Jonah, we're going to watch, didn't want to embrace the heart of God. And we're all here in church today, right? And so... The assumption seems to be, well, we're here on a Sunday morning. Well, of course we're embracing the heart of God. But I think maybe we'll find out that that's not the case, at least not always. On your outline there, it's got this blank. It says, God longs for people to know his heart. God longs for people to know his heart. So there on your bulletin, you have these these two verses of Scripture. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And then this statement, God longs for people to know his heart. So let's walk. There's just four simple, real real um, clear points that we don't walk through that's going to kind of set the stage for the rest of the series, all right? So, again, if you don't have your bulletin, I encourage you to get it out. Get a pen, follow along, take some notes. Number one here, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Verse 2, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, crowd against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, there you have the, these three statements under that point. God is sovereign, and it says this, God sees all things makes another statement. God can demand anything. The next statement, he is in control of everything. So those three statements kind of encompass uh, sovereignty of God. And so God, being God, he tells Jonah, I see the wickedness of this great city, Nineveh, and I want you to go, and I want you to tell them to repent of their wickedness. God being God, he sees everything. He sees their wickedness. God being God can demand anything. I want you to repent or you're going to suffer the consequences. God's sovereignty. Let me read a verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17 that maybe will help kind of um, define sovereignty for us. Colossians 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Their firstborn over all creation. Speaking of Christ, Jesus, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. God is in control. God is sovereign. And the truth is, this should be reassuring to you. You don't have to be in control. Some of you out there think you need to be in control of everything. Right? Some of you just like, I'm not even going to make you raise your hand. Yeah, I am. How many of you are control freaks? Just self-proclaimed control freaks, all right? Now, I think that the reality is there are those people that realize they're control freaks, and then there's everybody else. (laughs) Because the truth is we all want to be in control, don't we? We all could do it better. Right? Can can I tell you something that control is just an illusion? Okay, you're never really in control. Okay? And you should be thankful. The truth is, I'm thankful you're not in control. And you should be thankful that I'm not in control. God is sovereign. He's before all things. He created all things. All things consist because of him. For him, by him, through him. So are we understanding the sovereignty of God? A sovereign God can, can demand what he wants. And he demanded that Jonah would go to the Ninevites, who were wicked people, who hated the Israelites, who wanted to destroy the Jews. And, and God is telling Jonah, go to the people that hate you, go to the people that despise you, go to the people that want to destroy you, and I want you to tell them to repent of their wickedness Turn to me, and I will forgive them. But he's sovereign. He can ask me to do whatever he wants me to ask. Can God expect me to obey? He should. He's God. Right? So we see the sovereignty of God. And and all throughout the book of Jonah, and we're going to walk through it in more detail, but all throughout the book of Jonah... You see the, the sovereignty of God. Uh, we see here in verse 2, he tells Jonah to go. In verse number 4, you know, Jonah goes the wrong way. He doesn't want to obey God. But what? look at verse 4. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Who was in control of the storm that day? The Lord. Hmm, maybe he is in control. Verse 7. And they came to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know him who causes this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and it fell upon Jonah. Okay, so... Who doesn't know what casting lots means, right? Probably a lot of us. And what it means is really pretty simple, okay? So it's like they went to Vegas for a little bit, okay? And they had the dice, and everyone basically would have a number assigned to them. And if your number came up when they rolled the dice, either it's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on, right? And so the, the, the dice were rolled, and whose number came up? Jonah. Did that just happen by chance? God was in control They threw him overboard and what happened? The storm stops Do you think that was a coincidence? They threw him overboard The storm stops A great fish or a well comes Do you think that was by chance? No Jonah finally you know, comes to himself Three days later The fish gets sick You know what I'm talking about, right? Was that by chance? It's the sovereignty of God, isn't it? In chapter 4, Jonah is angry, and he's hot. A, there is a wind, and he's like, it, he feels like he's in West Texas, and the wind is just a sauna, and, and, and there's a shade tree that grew up and provides shade. Was that by chance, or maybe God was in control? Jonah still complains, and so God creates a worm to eat the plant and no more shade the sovereignty of God all throughout the book. Number two, God is merciful. God is sovereign and he can demand whatever he wants. Number two, God is merciful and we should be thankful. Are you thankful for the mercy of God? On your outline there it says, mercy is God withholding the judgment we deserve. So maybe if you don't understand mercy... Just that statement there alone would lead you to believe or lead you to understand, man, I'm thankful for mercy. Mercy is God withholding the judgment we deserve. Then it says, grace is God bestowing his favor on us. And I love this statement, the next, the third statement here under point number two, mercy precedes grace. You see, right now, God is merciful upon us because he's withholding judgment. In the story of Jonah and the Ninevites, he's withholding judgment on the Ninevites and he's giving them mercy. So I ask you, are you thankful for the mercy of God? Ephesians 1, or excuse me, Ephesians 2 says, but God who is rich in mercy. Why is he so rich in mercy? Verse 4, Ephesians 2, because of his great love with which he loved us. If you you want to walk away different today than when you walked in, realize the truth of that one phrase. God loves you. You, you You may not feel loved. Your life may be a mess as you see it. God is rich in his mercy. He loves you. It says, even when we were dead and trespassed in sin, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 6, And raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you were saved through faith. Not of yourself. It's a gift. Aren't you thankful for God's mercy? God in his mercy is sending Jonah to warn the Ninevites. God in his mercy has sent you here today to hear that he loves you, that he gave his son for you. God is sovereign and God is merciful. And the third one there on your outline is God is just. God is a just God. Again, the statement there on your outline, right under that point, God is just. Everyone must have his or his, his or her sin dealt with. Because God is just, and because God has set the punishment of sin, the punishment of sin is death. All the way back to Adam and Eve. He said, "Eat of the fruit, you shall surely what? die. The punishment for sin is death. And because God is just and because God is holy, God has to listen. God cannot lie. So sin has to go, has to be punished. It cannot go unpunished. It says there, every sin must be punished. He delays his justice, which we understand now to be what? Mercy. He delays his justice, or he gives us mercy, why? It says there, to give us a chance to respond to his forgiveness, which is what? Grace. Mercy precedes grace. The Bible tells us that all have sinned, especially me. And the Bible says because of my sin, the wages, the punishment I sin is death. We just talked about it. The wages of sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God, my creator. Because God is merciful, he has withheld his judgment. But judgment is coming. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We're all going to have a judgment day. The wages of my sin is death. But Romans 6.23, the rest of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Again, I ask, are you thankful for his mercy? Are you thankful for his grace? God is just and he must punish sin, and so he sent Jesus Christ to be the payment of your sin. And how do you receive that gift? You place your faith in Jesus. You confess your sins. You admit, I am a sinner and I need Jesus. God is just. Number four, God is missional. God is missional. I love this statement. I'm not sure where it came from. Right under your outline there, it says, you cannot spell gospel without go. You see, Jonah understood the sovereignty of God. Jonah even understood the mercy of God. He had experienced it. Jonah understood the truth that God is just and that God must punish sin. I'm not completely convinced that Jonah understood the mission of God. Or maybe we'll see today, and as we go through this study, he did understand the mission of God. But he wasn't on the same mission. And that may even be a a reality that is even more... Alarming than not knowing his mission. The fact that maybe Jonah understood the mission of God, that God's not willing that, all, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And yet, he didn't want to be on mission with God. Dare to, dare to embrace the heart of God. Maybe Jonah knew the heart of God, but didn't like it. He didn't want to be on that mission. Last week, I had the opportunity to baptize a couple before, at the beginning of the the service. And you know how they, they came about coming to Hallmark? There was a member of Hallmark who coached their son's Little League baseball team. They invited him to church. That's a couple that understands that God is missional and that God wants you to be on mission with him. Today, there's a man going to be baptized. Got, he gave his life to Christ last year at the men's retreat because a family member invited him to join him. Someone that understands the mission of God. At the close of the service, we'll have another young lady who's going to be baptized. She gave her life to Christ two weeks ago. And you know how she came to Hallmark? Her husband was working out, and a friend that goes to Hallmark invited him to church. Missional. Missional. God is missional, and he wants you to be missional. Dare to embrace the heart of God. Jonah, though, your outline there at the bottom says, Every command of God is revealing to us his heart. How I respond to that command reveals my heart. What do I mean? So, think through this with me. Most of us know the story, and I'll give you a quick overview in case you don't. We've just read here, God told Jonah to go to the Ninevites. The Ninevites hated, uh, they hated the Israelites. They wanted to destroy them. So he goes to Nineveh, he goes in the opposite direction, because he doesn't want to obey God. God, you know, kind of has to twist his arm a little bit, and ends up going. And as he goes, he preaches, repent. Give your life to the Lord, and and God will forgive you, and God will not destroy you. So Jonah preaches the message. The nation, the city there, they repent. They give their life to the Lord, and so God doesn't destroy them. Now, just thinking through this logically, Jonah, being a man of God, the prophet of God, has been sent on mission by God to preach the gospel of God so that these people will repent and give their life to God and so he doesn't destroy them. He does that. They repent. They're not destroyed. That should be a victory, right? We sh- Jonah should be happy about that. But in chapter 4, we see that Jonah is not happy about that. He's angry. So why did Jonah not want to go? Why did Jonah not want to be on mission with God. Why did he run in the opposite direction? Look at Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. So the verse, verse 1 of Jonah chapter 4 is what I just kind of described for you. It, it, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. It displeased Jonah, And he became exceedingly angry. What was he angry about? The fact that God saved all these people. Okay. The prophet of God is angry that he gave the message of God and the people responded to the message of God. Does that make any sense to anybody? And why did, I mean, why was he angry? And the reason he was angry gives us the reason of why he left and went in the opposite direction anyways verse 2 so he prayed to the lord and said lord was this not what i said when i was still in my country therefore i fled previously to tarsus okay so jonah is about to give you the reason he did not want to obey god and it may surprise you for i know that you are a gracious and merciful god slow to anger abundant in loving kindness one who relents from doing harm. What what is Jonah saying? God, the reason I ran, because I know you're sovereign. And I know you're merciful. And I know you're just. And God, I knew that if if these people repented. You would save them. What's Jonah's heart? He, He didn't want them to be saved, did he? Is that alarming to you at all? That the prophet of God, he had experienced the mercy of God, he had experienced the grace of God, He understood that if we seek forgiveness, God will forgive, and he didn't want it for them. And as I started this morning, I said, sometimes when I look at the life of Jonah, and I read through the book of Jonah, I I find myself wanting to justify Jonah. I wonder this morning without knowing it if we're a lot like Jonah now it would be tough for us to say it God the reason that I don't go tell people at work about Jesus because I don't think they deserve it that's what Jonah was saying right the reason I don't Walk across the locker room and invite someone to church. that says, "Well, I don't think they deserve it." Did you this morning? Was as we were worshiping through music. Did Did you feel the presence of God? Did you sense God in your life? Did you, as you sang the words, did you, did you just kind of long to be in the presence of Jesus? Yes or no. As we sat there and saying, I, I thought to myself, this feels like real. Did it feel real to you? And I thought to myself, if, if this is really real, why don't I share it more? Like what you experienced in here, the Holy Spirit in your life, the Holy Spirit working your life, speaking to you, revealing himself to you, Thinking, I know some of you were thinking, one day I will stand in the presence of God Almighty. I will stand before Jesus, who hung on that tree and died for me. Did, did you think that while you were singing that this morning? So I wonder, a couple weeks ago we were talking, and uh, almost every week that I've been here, we'll share the gospel in, in the message. and At the close of the, the message, I'll say, you know, If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, would you look up at me? Or would you raise your hand? And one of those days that I did that, it was family worship. And and one day, that day on family worship, nobody raised their hand that, that they... So I said, I made this statement. I'm going to assume today then, since no one raised their hand, that everyone in the room this morning has given their life to Jesus Christ. And I went on. Not really thinking much. It's not, it's not like that's the first time I've said that, right? And someone told me that their second grade, first or second grade son come home to them and said, they were sitting in the service, they heard that statement, and this is what they said to their mom. I bet Pastor John is really happy that everyone has given their life to Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I said, yeah. So we were talking about it in staff meeting. We we should be happy, but but then I think, should should our church be filled with only people that know Jesus? And why do you suppose that there's weeks that there is nobody here that hasn't given their life to Jesus? Is Is it possible that I'm more like Jonah than I want to admit? kind of sobering thought, isn't it? So we can experience worship with God and and with a church family and feel that emotion and feel like God is in this room and not not want to share that. that. Sounds a lot like Jonah, doesn't it? Now, this may come across as I'm pointing my fingers at you, but I have to admit, maybe I'm more like Jonah than I I realize. Maybe that word we talked about on the top of your outline, idolatry. Maybe I love other things more than I love God. They're on the bottom of your outline. The final question. Will you dare to embrace the heart of God? Jonah understood the sovereignty of God. He understood that God was just and that God was merciful. I don't think he really wanted to be on mission with God, did he? He understood the heart of God, but truthfully, he didn't embrace the heart of God. And I wonder if that's me today. I wonder if that's you today. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? We're going to prepare for a a time of continued worship this morning. But this morning, I'm going to ask it again this morning as I ask almost every Sunday. Maybe this morning God revealed to you that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe today you walked in and and you didn't even really know what that meant until you walked in. You've never heard the fact that that your sin separates you from God. That you need to ask for forgiveness for your sins so that you can have a restored relationship with God. But maybe this morning God has revealed to you you need to surrender your life to Jesus. So as our eyes are closed this morning, I know there's uh, people preparing for worship and for baptism this morning. I, I want to ask again real quickly this morning. Is there anyone here this morning that say, John, I've never given my life to Jesus? If that's you this morning and you'd like me to pray for you, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up for a moment. Just put your hand up real quick. I, I'm not going to call you out. I just I'm going to pray for you. Anybody like that this morning, just put your hand up. Leave it up for a moment. I'm looking across the auditorium. Anyone today? Just put your hand up for a moment. So, again, I'll say, I'm going to assume that everyone here has given their life to Christ. So then let me ask another question this morning. How many would say, John, God's kind of revealed to me today that... Um, Maybe I'm more like Jonah than I thought I was. Would you put your hand up this morning? Just put it up. Put it up, a lot of us. You can put your hands down. In a moment, we're gonna stand and we're gonna, we're gonna continue in worship. I'm gonna ask you this morning, if, if God's revealed that to you today, would you come forward this morning and pray? And ask God to give to allow you to embrace the heart of God, that you would be on mission with Him. Whatever that looks like in your life, whether that's at work, your neighborhood, your school, whatever sports your kids are involved in, that you're going to be on mission with God. You're going to embrace the heart of God, and yeah, it may, may take a risk, but I'm willing to do it. Would you stand with me this morning as I pray? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you the story of Jonah. Lord, may it be a challenge to us. Lord, we know your heart, but Lord, may we embrace your heart. Lord, this morning as individuals, as families, as church, would we recommit to be on mission with you, to risk, to dare to embrace the heart of God. As we're in the spirit of prayer, Dave's going to lead us in worship. I'd encourage you to worship, to sing. But I also encourage you to come forward this morning. Maybe you didn't have the courage to raise your hand that you don't know Jesus. But I would encourage you this morning if you want to find out how. Walk down here this morning. There's there's men and women here at the front. Just come shake their hand and say, I want to know how to find Jesus. They'll be glad to show you. As we sing this morning, let's worship together.